0: Well, grab your Bibles. Let's go to Daniel chapter 4. We're in this series called Escaping Babylon. And let me just ask you this simple question How many of you have ever been impacted by the testimony of someone else? Let me see some hands. You ever been impacted by the testimony online? Go ahead and put a hand up in the chat. You've been impacted, or in the comments, you've been impacted. <clears throat> by someone's testimony. You may say, well, I don't even know what a testimony is. Let's show you a quick definition. It's a spoken or written statement that something is true. And for us as Christians, it's a a way that we profess our faith. In fact, I will argue and say, the most powerful testimonies are those when someone describes how God has moved in their life. You see, as a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what I believe. Your testimony is one of your most powerful tools you have in the kingdom of God. There are three specific tools that I want to always remind you of. Number one, you have the word of God. You have the scriptures, the inspired scriptures given to us from the Lord. And if you're a student of these scriptures, God's going to be able to speak to you. Our theme is to hear the voice of God this year. And the more you get in the word, the more you'll be able to hear his voice. You have the word of God. You also have the Holy Spirit. You have the spirit of God. In fact, the Bible says if you're a Christian, you've been baptized into the family by one spirit and the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. There's nothing you can say is impossible for you because the spirit who can raise the dead lives inside you and God can use any of us. Say amen. Amen. But thirdly, you have your testimony. And I love to remind people of this. People can argue how you interpret certain verses all day long. They can argue your theology with you all day. But what no one can argue is your testimony. No one can argue because you're the expert in it. You know what God has done. You know how he's revealed himself to you. You know how God is moving in your life. And no one can say, I don't believe it. Because it's your testimony. It's between you and and God, and I want to tell you today that there's power in your testimony. We're in this series called Escaping Babylon. In essence, what we're doing is we are studying the testimony of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, four Hebrew boys who were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar from, ba- from Jerusalem into Babylon. And in this pagan, godless culture, they were being indoctrinated. However, the testimony of Daniel and his three friends is this. They were in the culture, but the culture never got into them. Amen. Instead, they kept their faith. They honored God with their life. And in the end, watch this, watch this, watch this. In the end, they did more to influence the culture than the culture did influencing them. And I don't know about you, but I just believe that for us who want to follow God and honor God and have a testimony of God in our lives, that this is exactly who we are and where we are right now, and this is a word in season for us, that if we can learn from Daniel and his friends, we too can be encouraged and equipped to live in our culture today that in many ways seems godless, and yet we can do more to influence the culture than the culture is doing influence us. And any parent can say amen to that. Any grandparent should say amen to that. Any believer should desire that to be the case in your life. Amen? That we influence the culture more than the culture influences us. And that's why we've called this series Escape in Babylon. we got to be in Babylon. We're in this culture, but we don't have to become like the culture. Instead, we can, through the gospel, influence the culture and show God. Here's the power of the book of Daniel to me when you come to Daniel chapter 4. Because when you come to Daniel chapter four, now all of a sudden we're gonna read a testimony. The whole chapter is one person's testimony. And here's what's key. If I had asked you, who would, whose testimony would you like to see in the Bible? And, and if I went even deeper and said, who do you believe God will grant permission to write a chapter in the Bible? I promise you it wouldn't be the man who wrote chapter four. <laughs> Not if you know history, not if you know what this dude was like, because the man who wrote chapter four in the Bible was not Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, nor Azariah. It was old pagan King Nebuchadnezzar himself. When you read chapter four, you're reading the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, let's read the first three verses out loud together. If you're there, shout them there. All right, let's read together Daniel chapter four. Here's what he writes. King Nebuchadnezzar writing this for his people to read his penmanship. Here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth. In fact, he's the most powerful ruler of the earth at this time. So when he wrote this testimony, he intended for everyone to read it. Look at the rest of the verse. May your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and the wonders the most high God has done for me. Stop for a moment. Are we talking about the same Nicodemus, Nebuchadnezzar? Where did that come from? Are we talking about the same Nebuchadnezzar? Absolutely. We're talking about the ancient wicked king of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. Bro, I've, I've struggled with that all morning. I don't know where that name keeps coming back for. All I know is God wants somebody born again today. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar writes, I am pleased to tell you about the most high God. Are you kidding me? How great are his miracles and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. So here's my question. How did Nebuchadnezzar get to this point? How could this wicked king of Babylon come to a place to where he's not praising the God of the Babylonians, he's giving God Jehovah praise? And maybe, could this be the reason God allowed Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to be taken captive all those years ago? Because when you read chapter four, you need to understand something a minimum of three and a half years, more like seven to eight years, actually passes in this one chapter. And when you think about what God was up to, could it have been to bring the one man who had the most influence in the whole world to his knees to declare there's one God in heaven? Here's here's Nebuchadnezzar and this dictator Giving praise and honor to God. Well, I believe, and here's what we're going to do with the message today. We're going to look through the book of Daniel again, uh, just some highlights, and we're going to look at a pattern that brought Nebuchadnezzar to a point of testament, to a testimony And I believe for us, the same principles are applicable in our lives. If you and I are going to have a testimony of God working in our lives, we're going to follow a similar pattern. Here's the first one. Write it down. Old Nebuchadnezzar had to hear a word of testimony about God. You see, he had to hear about God. There's a principle laid out here. It's found in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, if you want to write the verse down. Romans 10:17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So say that with me now. I've already said it once. I bet you can pick it up. Come on, online campus. Romans 10:17. Ready? Say it. Faith. faith comes by hearing and hearing by the So so faith is planted like a seed inside the heart of someone when the word of God or a testimony about God is spoken. When we look back at uh, chapter 2 of Daniel, I preached on the, faith, the power of faithfulness in Daniel's life. And in that, Nebuchadnezzar has this terrible nightmare. He sees this, this statue made of all different metals, and all of a sudden a rock comes and hits the statue, k- destroys it, the wind blows it away like it never existed. And then that little rock becomes a mountain, and Nebuchadnezzar was so terrified by the dream, he brought in all his fortune tellers and all his astrologers and wise men and said, tell me the dream. Then give me the interpretation. How well, I many know no one can tell you what you dreamed if you don't explain it to him first, right? Daniel comes on the scene, anointed by God, and tells him the exact dream he had plus the interpretation. And then Daniel says these words to Nebuchadnezzar. Here's what he heard. You ready? Daniel chapter 2, verse 27 No wise man, medium, magician, or diviner is able to make known to the king the mystery he is asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in these last days. Now what's happening to Nebuchadnezzar is he has heard a testimony about the God of heaven who gave Daniel the power to interpret the dreams. Paul picked up on this in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter five, verse six. And Paul said it like this. Remember, the word spoken becomes a seed in the heart of someone. Paul said it like this. I planted, Apollos watered, Apollos was another preacher, A polished water, watch this, God gave the increase. And this is where you and I come in, and why it's so important for us to tell people the testimonies of God in our lives, because when we speak the word, it likes like a seed, and it plants inside the hearts of other people. and then someone else comes along, and maybe you don't plant the seed, but by you sharing your testimony, by you doing good works, by you inspiring and encouraging someone, you may just be the one to water the seed that someone else has already planted, and it's God who brings it to life. So a testimony is developed once. First, you've got to hear the word. Nicodemus, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had to hear the word. You've got to hear the word. I've got to hear the word. The second piece of a testimony is this. Nebuchadnezzar had to observe God at work. He had to observe God at work in the lives of those who, felt, who followed God, who trusted in God. In Daniel chapter three Pastor Jonathan, a couple of Sundays ago, preached on the power of commitment or consistency in the life of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The message was this if you look at Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar builds this gold statue, 90 foot tall, of himself. You want to talk about an egomaniac? 90 foot statue of himself. And And he made this decree, whenever you hear us play music, you gotta bow down and worship my statue. There's no pride or ego in that, come on, somebody. How many know that old king probably had them playing the music about every 15 minutes all day long? And he's probably standing out there looking off his balcony going, whoa, look at all them people bowing down to me. When all of a sudden, he found out that Hennonite, Mishael, and Azariah didn't bow down. He was furious. He took a furnace of fire and heated it up seven times hotter than it's ever been, threw those three boys in there and thought, I will show the world my power. A few moments later, he looked over in the fiery furnace and what did he see? He saw those three Hebrew boys up and walking around. No one was hurt, no one screaming. They didn't even have ropes on them anymore. And then he said, behold, I saw a fourth man loose and walking in the fire. And he looks like to me, he's the son of God. And they came out of the fire without even the smell of smoke on their clothes. Now Nebuchadnezzar is observing; he's seeing God at work in the life of his faithful people. Here's what the scripture goes on to say. Now, uh, when you when you see this Daniel three twenty eight, De- Nebuchadnezzar says these words. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command. They risked their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Somebody shout, that's a testimony. So let me ask you this question. In whose life have you observed God at work? Have you witnessed anyone who had faith in the Lord and they stayed true to their convictions no matter what pressure was thrown their way? And how did that impact your life? That's what's happening here. And not only did um, Nebuchadnezzar witness God at work in their lives, he also watched their devotion to God. I mean, think about it. It's not just that God worked in those three Hebrew boys, but those Hebrew boys were willing to die for God. You go to chapter one, we talked about the power of character and we looked at Daniel and, and his three friends when their food of the king was laid on their table and they refused to eat it because to do so would violate their religious belief about what foods were clean to eat. And so watch this, Nebuchadnezzar's watching this. He has heard the testimony about God. Now he is witnessing them not eat foods that would defile them. They're standing up for their convictions and they won't bow down in worship. And there he is witnessing God at work in their lives. This week, uh, something very powerful happened. We got a a review on Google. We get all kinds of reviews, but this one's really good. Someone made a review about our church and I want to share it with you. In fact, I'm going to read it verbatim. This individual, and I do not know them, wrote this on the internet. I've not attended yet, but I'm definitely interested after witnessing a good-hearted Samaritan from your church help a stranded motorist in a roundabout today. He briefly spoke with the motorist and discovered she'd ran out of gas, then went and got a gas can, filled it up and brought it back to the stranded mother whose vehicle died while trying to get her child to school. He handed her the gas can and promptly hurried away before she could repay him. "Had me smoky-eyed." recognize the church symbol in the lower left corner of his. And then she describes the vehicle. And I'm not going to do that because I don't want any of y'all going out in the parking lot to see who gets in this vehicle. He didn't do it for that or whoever this person is. I don't even know myself. I hope you're in this room or watching online today because I want you to see what happened. She writes, he was the only motorist of hundreds upon hundreds to stop and offer her assistance. I was not the motorist, but a neighbor. I would love more info about your church, please. I, I don't know who you are that did this, but I want you to hear from your pastor and your church family. You may have not even know that a person was looking out their window and watching you put gas in someone's car. And then they noticed your church logo in the back of your window. You probably didn't do it for any glorification. In fact, I believe you didn't because you walked away and wouldn't even let her pay you for it. But someone was watching you. And you gave a testimony about the power of God in your life and you touched someone this week. And I just want you to hear me say on this stage, I am proud of you and this church is proud of you. And I believe we ought to let that person know. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So, so watch this pattern here. Nebuchadnezzar heard the word through Daniel. He witnessed it through Daniel and his three friends. And the third one is this, then you've gotta have an experience. There's gotta be an experience of God at work in your life. That's why we come to Daniel chapter four. Here in Daniel 4 is written by Nebuchadnezzar, and that's so important because 2 Peter 1.20 tells us that no scripture was written by man's interpretation, but as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So you have to understand, for that to be in the Bible, the Holy Spirit wanted his testimony here for us to read. He allowed a pagan to write a chapter in the Bible. I think that's important for you to know that God's not afraid of your questions or your unbelief he's still God he's not shaken he knows how to take us where we need to be amen here's the power in this uh passage for Nebuchadnezzar so he has another dream he says so after verse three he's going to start he's going to actually go back in time either three and a half or seven years you'll understand that in a moment but he goes back in time and he says I need to tell you my testimony and here's what happened I had another dream this dude had some bad dreams y'all He said, I had another dream. And in this dream, there's this big tree and it's in the middle of the earth and it's got fruit hanging and there are animals under the limbs in the shade and there are birds up in the tree. And all of a sudden, I saw an angelic being come out of heaven saying, cut down the tree, scatter the leaves, scatter the fruit and let the animals run away. He says, But leave the stump in the ground and bound it with uh, bronze and iron for seven periods of time. And then he says this, and let his mind be turned from that of a human to an animal until he acknowledges there is one God in heaven. He said, man, I don't understand this dream. He called all of his fortune tellers again. He called all his magicians again. No one could give him the answers. Who does he come in? Who does he ask to come in last? Which should have been first. The only dude that has helped him all along, Daniel. He brings Daniel in and Daniel tells him the interpretation of the dream. Here's how he said he brought Daniel in. I want you to catch this. Listen to, as I read to you, verse eight, <clears throat> in verse eight, he says, finally, Daniel named Belshazzar. And I believe this is key. He, he puts this in his testimony because this is at the beginning of the dream. All right. So he's backtracking three and a half to seven years after the name of my God, Belshazzar, not Jehovah, his Babylonian God. And he says, in the spirit of the Holy God's little G plural, holy gods is in him. He came before me and I told him the dream. Then Belshazzar or Daniel tells him the interpretation. Here's what he says. He says, O king, you are the tree. God has risen you up to a place of prominence and power and great glory. You are the the tree. And he's allowed you to give nourishment and protection to all the nations that are under your control. He says, but you have failed to acknowledge the God of heaven. Therefore, God has decreed your kingdom will be taken away from you. You're, you will be cut down and scattered. You, O king, will be forced into the wilderness. And you, for seven periods of time, you will live like a wild animal. You will eat grass like a cow. Your, your fingernails will grow like eagle's talons. You will become under the dew of the earth. You will, you will, you'll become as hairy as eagle feathers. You will lose your mind for, th- for this seven periods of time. Then when you acknowledge the God of heaven, your kingdom will be restored back to you. Man, you talk about an interpretation to a dream to a king. Come on, somebody. And, and evidently, by his own words, Nebuchadnezzar just kind of put this out of his mind for 12 months. Somebody shot a whole year. But then you come to verse 28, and here's what Nebuchadnezzar writes. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon. The king exclaimed, is this not Babylon the great that I have built to be a royal residence by my vast power and for my majestic glory? You see his attitude? You see his heart? While the words were still in the king's mouth, catch this, a voice came from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, To you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You'll be driven away from people to live with the wild animals and you will feed on grass like cattle for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he desires. At that moment, the message against Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like a cattle and his body was drenched with dew from the sky until his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws." You know what I find so amazing about this is this. Nebuchadnezzar, when he attacked Jerusalem and brought Daniel and his friends back to uh, Babylon, he had no fear of God, he had no knowledge of God, the true God, Yahweh, uh, Jehovah. He wasn't serving or worshiping him but he heard about him through Daniel. He witnessed him at work through Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, after years of their influence, who hears the voice of God on the day he was declaring how good he was? He heard God's voice. And God said, today, oh boy, I'll bring you to your knees. In fact, here's probably the world's most famous painting of what Nebuchadnezzar probably looked like. This is is a world-famous painting of Nebuchadnezzar. I want to read to you something that is an archaeological fact. It's found on biblehistory.net. Evidently, there was a during one of the archaeological digs in ancient Babylon, they came across a tablet with this inscription written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. He says, For four years my kingdom in the city gave me no joy. During this time, not one building of any importance did I issue to be built. The precious treasures of my kingdom I did not lay out. I did not sing praises to Mordok, my God, nor did I provide his sacrificial table with offerings, nor did I clean any of the waterways. And you gotta ask the question, for four years, where were you? I believe we have the answer. You say, well, he said seven periods of time. Remember who's writing this, it's Nebuchadnezzar. And the Babylonians didn't judge time as we do with months and years. They judged it by seasons. So in every year, there were two periods of time, two seasons, summer and winter. And so if you look at seven periods of time, you actually have three and a half years, which actually fits in this ancient tablet that describes Nebuchadnezzar talking about for a four year period, he was absent from his kingdom. And by the way, for those of you who love to be good Bible students, just go through the Bible and find how many times the Bible talks about three and a half years. Pretty fascinating. Mm. So why did God do all this? Could it be for one pagan king to be able to make a declaration for an entire kingdom to hear him talk about a one true God? Want you to listen to, Dan, uh, to Nebuchadnezzar's own words. In chapter 4, verse 34, read it with me there off your message notes. But at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me, and then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, watch this, I praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because all his works are true, his ways are just, and he's able to humble those who walk in pride. Can somebody say amen to that? This is what I gather from this. How was his testimony developed? First, he had to hear. Somebody shout, hear. Hear. And then he had to see God at work in the lives of others. Somebody shout, you guys, see it. But finally, he had to experience it for himself. He had to experience God. But even all of those did not give him his testimony. It wasn't until a moment he was broken. At the end of the seven periods of time. See, I want you to write this down. Until we are humbled. We gotta be humbled by the presence of God. And until we're humbled by the presence of God, we still don't have a testimony. In fact, in fact, can I just go ahead and give you the big takeaway? And then I'll put it all together. I need you to know, congregation, in this room and online, I need you to hear me. You can hear about God. You can see God at work. You can even have experiences with God. But until you're broken by God's presence, you really don't know God. I'm a firm believer that when the scripture says on that day, many will say to the Lord, didn't we know you when we stand before the Lord that there's gonna be some who had a false salvation. There are going to be some that's going to stand there and say, God, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I go to heaven? I've heard about you my whole life. My grandmama told me about you. My daddy told me about you. My sister told me about you. My wife told me about you. Can I go in? I mean, I've always heard about you. I never said I didn't believe that you were real. And God's going to say, but you didn't know me. You just heard about me. Some of you are going to say, I I saw God at work, man. I'm telling you, I saw God do things. You just wouldn't believe. I saw him doing miracles in my family. I saw him doing miracles in people's lives. And and you're going to stand before the Lord someday. And you're going to say, God, I saw you at work. And God say, yeah, but you never saw me, saw me, me. Using Allison's words last week, he never became the pupil of your eye. Some of you are going to stand before the Lord someday and say, yeah, but I experienced God, man. I'm telling you, there was this time, you know, I was in the roundabout and somebody was coming through and they didn't even look to see that I was already in the roundabout and they just came on down like they thought it was a one-way street. By the way, this really happened to me last week. And uh, I didn't, you'll be proud of me, I didn't lay on my horn or nothing. <laughs> thought about it, didn't do it, sanctified. Here we go. and and I know it was God that kept me from having a wreck. Some of you have a testimony like that already, right? Some of you are going to say, man, I needed a job and we didn't know what we were going to do. My wife was praying, I wasn't, but my wife was praying and all of a sudden a job came open and man, here it is. You've seen God intervene. You've seen God work in your life. You've had those experiences, but God's going to look at you and say, yeah, I was trying to get your attention, but There's still one piece that kept you away from me. You see, you can't know me until you allow your heart to be broken and humbled before me. See, here's what I want to tell you. God can't use a man or a woman that won't allow him to shape them. And God can't shape you if he can't humble you. And see, it's not about you being able to control your life. It's not about you being able to live out on your own and just call on God when you want to. It's not about you doing your own thing and just say, God, you're my little genie in the lamp. Bless me over here. It's about you surrendering your life to his lordship over every area of your life and saying, King Jesus, I can't be God in my own life. I can't run my family by myself. I can't do this marriage by myself. I can't do this job by myself. I can't control my finances by myself. God, I need you in every area of my life. And so I wanna ask you, have you come to that place where God can give you a real testimony? A testimony that says, I couldn't make it without him. My marriage would fail without him. My kids would be a mess without him. My grandbabies wouldn't have no hope without him. We can't do anything in life without him. I need him in every area of my life. Can you testify to that today? When you come to that point, you got a testimony. Amen?